0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Local Youth Worker podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. We're about to get to my conversation with Dr. A.J. Swoboda. Uh, We're going to be talking about rest today. He wrote an excellent book entitled Subversive Sabbath. And actually, if you listened to episode uh, number 296 with Reverend Joe Novenson, uh, it's actually uh, Reverend Joe that mentioned uh, this book by Uh, Dr. Swoboda, and I picked it up and I haven't finished it yet. It is an excellent book and would encourage you uh, to read through that. Um, So we get into a lot of discussion today about the Sabbath. I know that many people think differently about the Sabbath, but there's so many insightful things that... Uh, Dr. Swoboda brings up and uh, it's helpful for us as we plan to enter re-enter life after this pandemic for us to reflect on resting well and working well and our rests and our work are connected together so I hope you you benefit from this conversation also just want to remind you again to check out rym.org as we um, have content on there that we hope is is serving you uh, those who Uh, are listening to this. At the time of this recording, we have announced that we have uh, canceled our three Florida conferences this summer due to the pandemic. It was a very, very challenging decision for us, very sad decision um, for us, but we thought that this was the way we could serve everyone uh, during this season faithfully. Um, do stay tuned for our uh, virtual conference that we hope uh, to, to host that we hope serves churches that we hope even offers a component of uh, real life fellowship that people can have together not just staring at a screen solely but uh, be looking for details on that uh, we should be getting some stuff out uh, soon but we uh, look forward to continuing to serve you guys during this pandemic and again hope this podcast and this conversation does that here's my talk with uh, AJ without money oh, come and hey Jay welcome to the local youth worker let me just begin by not only saying thank you for your time but thank you because you're up very early all the way out in, in Oregon uh, so thank you for
1: for coming on early. Uh, John, all the best things in the Bible happen in the morning, so I'm (laughs) just to bear my friend.
0: Awesome. Um, Well, AJ is an award-winning author. Uh, He is a professor. He's been a, a church planter and pastor. He's a husband and father. And so, AJ, why don't you begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself and your story?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I live here in uh, Eugene, Oregon. I'm a, a full-time professor. I teach uh, Bible theology and world Christianity at Bushnell University, and it's a school of about 900 students or so here in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, yeah, I've, I've, for 10 years, lived in Portland. I was a church planter. We established a, a church in Portland called Theophilus, and uh, before that was a college pastor at the University of Oregon. And actually uh, met Jesus became a Christian when I was 16 years old <clears throat> in high school. I was actually in my math class in high school and I overheard uh, these two girls arguing about when Jesus was coming back and I went home and read my Bible and, um, and had a really powerful encounter with God. So I've been a Christian since 16 and um, I'm a theologian by trade. So I'm a, my, my PhD is uh, in, in, in theology and uh, teach theology and Bible. And that's my, my heart, my passion. And we have eight chickens, and that's a big deal for us, too. Uh, we just finished our chicken coop, and that was a big deal for our family.
0: I bet, yeah. And, I mean, most conversions you don't hear started in math class. Um, that's kind of a, a unique
1: <laughs> Yes, testimony. it's the only time known in human history that God has been involved in a math class. It's the <laughs> only time we know of where God has, has uh, divinely entered into the space of, uh, of, of a math class.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, again, thank you for making the time because as we were talking pre-recording, you have a class that begins in about, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. Uh, So uh, you're you're (laughs) cramming it it in this morning. Um, uh, So look, our listeners know uh, we're now in the sixth season of the podcast and our theme for this season is post-pandemic productivity. And the aim is to help our listeners steward the lives God has given them. You know, we, we hope that these episodes will help them kind of evaluate the way that they spend their time to think more intently about productivity uh, as well as rest. We know that work and rest go together to to evaluate kind of ministry programs uh, so that when we, you know, return to normal, uh, whatever that looks like, <laughs> by, by God's grace, we can re-enter with some healthier rhythms in life and, and ministry. And so really, AJ, I, and your book has uh, really uh, inspired so much of kind of what we hope to accomplish this season. And th- that book that I'm referencing, Subversive Sabbath, The Surprising Power of Rest in a Nonstop World, um, has been helpful for me. I just want to say not only because AJ's sitting here and re- we're recording this, it's a phenomenal book uh, that mm-hmm. people need to pick up. I mean, AJ, was this, I'm, I'm trying to remember, did it come out in 2018? Is that right?
1: I think it was 2018 or late. Yeah, it was, it was early 2018. That's correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it's been out a little while, but it's something, you know, I personally have benefited from and I think I've underlined Mm -hmm. just about every page and so many sentences there to, to focus on. But but you talk about so much and you, you've researched so well, but you, you talk as well about kind of some current things like, like FOMO. I think of one thing that you discussed mm-hmm. there. You talk about just the difficulty of saying no. Uh, like how you added a, a little story about how millennials want RSVP to, to anything because there's so many opportunities out there. You mm-hmm. talk about how mm-hmm. ministry leaders overwork. And so you cover so much and who knows if we'll be able to get on all of that, but, but let's begin by just getting you to define Sabbath for us before we, we mm. move too far into that. Can you just give us a definition of, you know, Sabbath? What is Sabbath?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's an interesting way to frame this conversation because uh, returning to normal, it's, it's funny that we, that's a very common phrase that I hear a lot of pastors and leaders saying, returning to normal, as though the frenetic, insane pace that we've been doing is God's normal. Mm. Uh, it actually, The the normal, (laughs) the normal, when you go back to Genesis one and two is actually a world where you have rest, Hmm. uh, the, the norm, this is actually more normal than the insanity of what we've been doing. (laughs) Uh, for most of us, we're actually in the biblical normal, which is that we actually have time to stop and reflect and be with God now. Uh, but when you go back to Genesis one and two, um, the very beginning of the Bible, um, uh, one of the very first commandments God gives to Adam and Eve, these first two inhabitants in the, in, the, in the garden Edenic realm, was to work hard, but to take one day a week and rest. And, you know, when you look at that creation story, and I tell this in the book, that creation story in Genesis 1 and 2, it's very interesting to compare that to the other religious traditions in the ancient world, because uh, just about every religion had a creation story. And the creation story in the Bible is the only one in which, uh, this idea of Sabbath is introduced. Uh, it's also the only, uh, only creation story where, where women are made in the image of God. And it's also the only creation story where, uh, everything that God makes is good. Um, but this idea that Adam and Eve were invited to rest one day a week. And, uh, it's fascinating. God, you know, made Adam and Eve on day six. He made all this stuff. Day six was Adam and Eve. And then day seven was the day of rest. Um, and of course, when you look at it through that lens, Adam and Eve's first day of existence was a day of rest. They actually started with rest. They didn't start with work. And so the biblical rhythm of Sabbath is that we actually begin with the rest of God. And out of that, we work. We don't work to get... Well, most of us are working for the weekend. Uh, that's sort of the the nor, the normal of our of our culture. But the biblical norm, the biblical normal, is that, uh, that re- we actually begin with rest. You know, my son... Uh, my son is eight years old, and he has been out for eight years now. And I'll tell you what he's been doing for eight years. Uh, he He has not been working uh, for eight years. His first eight years of life have been a combination of pancakes, Legos, and <laughs> cartoons. Uh, and he That's has a pretty every good second existence
0: of it. right there. It's a
1: great <laughs> existence. <laughs> and I think about my son, and I think that is the way God created us to be, is that he created us that we would come into this world and start with the fun. Start with the rest and then go. It's God's grace. I mean, that's that's the the image of God's grace. So the Sabbath is this. Uh, It is God's normal. And God's Mm -hmm. normal is that uh, one day a week we would stop and be with God and one another. And we would put down our neurotic need to produce and create. And we would simply be before the living God one day a week. Now, there's a lot of debate about what day that needs to be. And we're not going to have enough time to talk about that on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, and my Seventh-day Adventist friends disagree with how I approach it. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we all can agree on this, uh, that a world without rest is, is hell. It, is, it, it doesn't work. And it's killing us.
0: Hmm. Amen. I almost feel like we should just end the conversation there. That's <laughs> the beauty of God's <laughs> yeah, God's so. grace. And as I've heard you yeah. communicate elsewhere, just mm-hmm. how it, it begins with the gospel, uh, that we have a oh, God yeah. who just says, rest. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've mm-hmm. uh, created. Just enjoy this. I, I've done the work. And so you now f- a yeah, phenomenal way to, to begin the conversation. And, and what, what I want to do, not moving us too far into your book, just really looking at the title, <laughs> Subversive Sabbath. Why Subversive mm. Sabbath? What, what, what did you mean by Subversive Sabbath?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's, uh, 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 it's interesting. Of all the questions I get asked about the book, that's the number one question. Why, why the word subversive? <clears throat> you know, when, when you look at the, the, the sort of the way that Paul in the Bible postured himself, he, he always framed the gospel in very subversive ways. I mean, when he called Jesus as Lord, he was intentionally subverting the, the idea that Caesar was Lord. When he called the gospel the good news, uh, he was subverting the way the Romans understood good news, which was military victory. <clears throat> and so in a way, the gospel undermines the way our world does stuff. Um, the gospel undermines the status quo and um, when you it's interesting when you read uh, exodus 20 um, exodus 20 and 21 God is telling Israel he's saying he's saying you know we're going to live in this new covenant we're going to live in this new this new this new way of relationship and before God even gives the commandment for Sabbath and the ten Commandments Israel's is like we'll do it whatever it is we'll do it they don't even they don't even Hear it before they say they want it, and <clears throat> that to me is uh, the the result of a people who have lived in slavery to Pharaoh's ways for years and years and years. And when you look at, I mean, they're just so hungry for anything else. When you look at the Sabbath, uh, the Sabbath undermines everything that we value in the ways of the world. Mm. It value it undermines uh, our addiction to wealth. It undermines our addiction to ourselves. It undermines our narcissism, our self-centeredness. It undermines our anthropocentric vision that we are the center of the world. It undermines everything and it places squarely in the middle of our life, the good news of Jesus. And it puts Jesus back in the center of our existence where he belongs. And so in a way uh, I'll I'll put it this way. I think the Sabbath is incredibly violent to the ways of the world. Mm. And it undoes so much of what we value. The truth of the matter is, some of your listeners may think, man, if I start keeping the Sabbath, my life will get better. And the truth of the matter is, I I would warn you, if you're doing the Sabbath to make your life better, I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the Sabbath actually creates space and time for you to stop and hear the voice of God. And it turns out life is a lot easier when you don't have to deal with God's voice. (laughs)
2: <laughs> mm.
1: but when you actually begin to listen to God, he starts speaking to you about the ways that we're living. It was actually because of a sabbatical that I stepped down from my pastoral responsibility. Uh, it turned out when you get quiet and start listening to the voice of God, you start hearing all sorts of things that you really don't want to hear. So the Sabbath undermines, it, it just undermines this, this ridiculous normal that we have called our life. It just undermines all of it. Mm.
0: Yeah, and speaking to that normal, and this is what we said earlier, just how COVID-19, this entire pandemic, um, ha- has uh, warred against what we thought is is normal. It's forced us yeah. to slow down. And so I'd, I'd yeah, love for you I, to speak to that a little bit, like how this pandemic has nuanced, modified, or reinforced your thoughts and practices <clears> on the Sabbath. <throat>
1: Well, I have this—I have this privilege of getting when I teach uh, in, my, in my home institution, uh, Bushnell University, formerly known as Northwest Christian University. I get to—I st- get to teach my students in group Zoom calls right now, but also individually, one-on-one. And I'm—I'm I'm noticing a really interesting pattern. When we are in group settings, when my undergraduate students are in group settings, everybody is saying this is horrible. It's bad. I hate being at home. I hate da da da. But when I'm with the students individually, it is as though they're like, "Oh, finally. We've, this is, it has been too busy for too long. Hmm. I think part of us publicly wants to say that this is horrible because we, we want something to to grieve together and that's fine. But I think quietly, we're so thankful that the train has <laughs> stopped, and we actually get to stop and watch our favorite Netflix show a little bit, and <laughs> breathe, and and not have as much insanity in our life. And I'm not making light of people who have walked through COVID. That's a horrible experience. But I'm finding so many young people that are actually quietly celebrating that the insanity of this train is slow down because it's just not sustainable. It's just not sustainable.
0: Absolutely. No, no. I mean, I I would echo everything you just said that it seems like I've had so many conversations where we want to absolutely acknowledge the, the sobering aspect of this pandemic that people have walked through a lot of pain and suffering. We don't want to minimize that yet. At the same time, we've seen a lot of sweetness from this time. And yes, I would agree. Absolutely. It's forced everyone to just slow down. And we've, we've longed for this because it's,
1: it's yeah. and, 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 and so much from it too, John. I mean, when you look at, for example, creation, I'm a big, I'm a big, like, I think, I think Christians are called to care for the planet. I think that we're called to care for the garden. That commandment hasn't ended. When you look at what's happening to creation right now, it's healing itself. I mean, when you look at these stories of the canals and in, in Italy being, you can actually see them, see Thurm now and the fish and, um, the air where I live is just crisper and cleaner and like it's normal air, you know, it's, there's, there's, there are some profound benefits to a world with Sabbath. Now, it's interesting. You know, you take the seven days of creation. If you were to remove any of the days of creation, if you took water out of creation, we would not live for very long. You took sun out of creation. We would not live for very long. You took the green things out of creation. It, we wouldn't live for very long. Why we think we can remove anything from creation and we wouldn't live, but we can remove Sabbath and be fine is beyond me, because it's it's it is a part of the created order, and when you don't give creation a chance to breathe and stop, it dies, it can't live. And any farmer listening to this knows this to be true. You want your you want your land to grow the best food? Give it a Sabbath year every seventh year, every few years give it a break. Otherwise, you're gonna you're driving into the ground. So there are incredible benefits to a world that ha- that needs to stop. It's almost like, you can call me crazy, John. Yeah, I haven't said this anywhere else. It's almost like we're in a forced jubilee.
2: Hmm.
1: We have been going so long without a year of jubilee, and it's almost as though this is forcing us to do a jubilee.
0: Hey Amen. yeah, I'm not going to call you crazy at all. I, I think I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, or Sabbath or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. And look, something you discuss in your book is the importance of distinguishing between Sabbath from vacation or just days off. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of wondering too, just how hard it is for us to be still and this entire pandemic is forcing us to be still that I'm wondering as people re-enter from this, if people are just going to dive in headfirst and think, look, I've had a long mm-hmm. vacation because of this pandemic. And so maybe just speak to that a little bit, what, how Sabbath and just the normal pattern of one day off a week uh, is different from vacations or, yeah. or days off.
1: That's a great question. Well, I've never, I mean, I've never taken a vacation. It is very rare for me to take a vacation and actually come back rested. I mean, when I, when I take my son to Disneyland with, (laughs) when my wife and I go to Disneyland for for four days or three days, uh, I come back far more tired than I, than I left. I mean, even our vacations are exhausting us that they're not, they're not actually, you know, they're not actually rest that the soul needs. Um, just to say nothing of the fact that the Bible says absolutely nothing about vacations. Uh, there's the vacation is not a biblical category. It doesn't mean it's bad. They're, they're fine to do, but a vacation does not replace a day every week that we stop and, 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 and rest with God. It can't, I mean, it, it it's like, it's like uh, somebody who decides, you know, I don't need to keep breathing. I'll just take one big breath every minute, you know, like I'll just, Every minute, I'm just going to take one really, really big gasping breath and I'll be fine. You do that. I mean, you're going to be like a very miserable human being, which is what we do. You know, we don't rest every week. We take one big two-week gasp in the summer and pretend that that's enough. Um, It can't replace it. I mean, we're called to do God's things, God's ways, not God's things, man's ways. And that means that we honor the way God has created it to be. And we do it the way God has asked us to do it. Um, and that's, that's a big ask. I'm not, I'm, I, you can, you can say, well, that's a big, that's a, that's a lot. Like, you're, you bet your sweet bippy. It's a lot. So is discipleship <laughs> and following, following Jesus, mm. uh, carrying your cross is a heavy deal. It's not, it's not, it's not always fun. And in a world where we only want fun and excitement, I, I understand. It. Uh, but you know, every, I bet every single one of your listeners, I'm going to guess the majority of your listeners are younger. I'm going to guess that's the case. The majority of them are younger. The amount of exhaust, emotional exhaustion we face in our world today. I spent the last 10 years living in Portland, one of the most justice oriented cities in the world. And I loved it. Everybody in Portland cared about justice and it was so good. It was such an important part of this, the character of Portland. But when you live in Portland, long enough, you get really exhausted because you're not sure what stuff you're supposed to be really ticked about this week. <laughs> like, what is the thing I'm supposed to be mad about and, and, and protesting? And th- the, the millennial culture in Portland, the young people are so exhausted of even justice mm. that they need a break once a week to not need to save the world and just stop So my point my my way of saying that is even on an emotional level, we need emotional Sabbaths where we are permitted by God to not have to overextend ourselves to be everybody's savior and just allow ourselves to be loved by God. William Wilberforce, who stopped slavery in Britain, was able to do it, he said, because of the Sabbath.
2: Hmm.
1: He said, the Sabbath is what gave me hope to do my work. There are people in this world who could do profound goodness, but they can't because they're working too much.
0: Mm, That is, yeah. So. Profound, and I love how in your book you talk about the the physical aspects of Sabbath, the the emotional, the spiritual. Yeah. That there's this you know wholeness to this entire concept of Sabbath, and 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 you know I'd love to go down that. I know our time is is going to be limited, um, but but I'd love to just know. Okay, what does your Sabbath look like? Um, I know mm. that there, as you kind of said from the outset, some people think certain days. All the well, just give us an example of okay, what does your Sabbath look like?
1: Yeah, well, if I'm candid up front, I mean, I, I, having been teaching on the Sabbath now for a, a number of years and listened to a lot of people teach on the Sabbath, it is very common at this stage where somebody will offer a perfect vision of what a Sabbath could look like, uh, and all of those people are just lying to you. They're they're all they're all deceiving you. Uh, right now is has been the hardest season of Sabbath in my entire life. How in the world do you Sabbath in a season of COVID? when so much of your life is slowed down and actually honor God, you know, with one day a week. Um, and so it's, I will say it has been the hardest season of Sabbath that I have ever walked through. And I'm really struggling to rest right now, really struggling. Mm -hmm. But, uh, when things are the way they're supposed to be uh, in my life, Friday evening, uh, I come home from work at about five o'clock, my son and I and my wife light a Sabbath candle and we sing a really nerdy old Jewish song that goes, that just is—it's called the Shabbat Shalom—and you you sing it over everybody in the family. And so you do Shabbat Shalom to AJ, Shabbat Shalom to Elliot, Shabbat Shalom to Quinn, and it's super nerdy. And I mean, it's just so—we <laughs> it's we're almost all rolling our eyes when we do it because we're like, "Are we still doing this?" And we still do it. <laughs> But there's something beautiful about it. I don't know what it is, but it's like this little family liturgy that just ushers in God's presence. And we sing it, and my son always adds on other things. So he'll be like, Shabbat Shalom to the chickens, you know, or something like that. <laughs> and then we will eat a meal, a really big meal, and it will be everybody gets a Sabbath treat, so everybody gets to eat the meal. We, that, it is at that stage that we turn our phones off, And our computers off. And for one 24-hour periods, even our technology gets a Sabbath. And we will uh, eat a big meal and go to bed when we want. And in the morning, we wake up and my son and I and my wife go into the kitchen and make the biggest pancakes you could ever imagine with the best maple syrup you could ever dream of. And it's Costco maple syrup, which is the, like the best, it's the absolute best Costco maple syrup wins it all. And we make these pancakes and my son just pours the, 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 maple syrup on these things. And the reason we do the pancakes, and I'm telling you, if you want to have, if you want to honor God with the Sabbath, you've got to do the pancakes. Because <laughs> the, in the, the, in the Jewish tradition, there's this old tradition myth story that on the morning of the Sabbath, the father was to get up before all the kids and was to get every kid in the family, a spoon of honey. And the idea was that, um, that by getting honey for the kids, that when the kids would grow up, they would never forget the sweetness of God's rest.
2: Mm.
1: And we don't do honey. We do maple syrup. It's my little honey thing. And it's for my son, because I know there's going to be a day that my son is going to look back and I want him to always remember the Sabbath as this sweet buttery thing (laughs) 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 and we will eat, we will just eat phenomenal food and coffee and and normally we'll watch a movie. You know, we'll get some kind of movie and we'll go on a long walk. It's very important for me to get into creation. We'll go on a hike. Uh, For me as a theologian, as a pastor, it's very important. Actually on the Sabbath that I, uh, take a break from reading the Bible. And um, that seems very weird. A lot of people uh, need to read the scriptures on the Sabbath, but for me, I need to take a break because I need a day to just uh, metabolize all the stuff I've been reading and thinking about all week long. And so I'll just let what I've been learning kind of simmer in my life. We'll eat great food. We'll be with friends. It is not a day for isolation. And at Saturday evening at about eight o'clock, when the sun is down, we end it, and it's hard. It's always hard when it ends
2: because
1: hmm. we know the deck. The next day is 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 the beginning of the week again. So uh, we honor God with the Sabbath uh, on Saturdays. Uh, some people do it on Sundays. Some people do it on Wednesdays. And I, I am one that believes that when Paul writes, some people honor one day, and some people honor another. When the, when Paul says, "Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord," that's Paul's way of saying that the the actual day of the week is not what's important. The principle is one in seven. And mm-hmm. to me, that, that uh, frees us from it having to be a certain day, which by the way, if we're going to say it has to be Sunday, uh, we got really bad news for pastors because there's never been a day in Christian history where a pastor has taken a Sabbath Sunday and said, that was a really good day of rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it needs to be for everybody. And for mm-hmm. some people, it needs to be on Saturday For some on Sunday For some on Wednesday, but one in seven, that's the principle.
0: Now that's a beautiful picture for sure. And I mean going back to the nerdy song that you 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 referenced, I think of Cal Newport's book Deep Work and he talks oh, about Oh, So important. Yeah, there's a, there's a principle he I can cannot remember the name of it, but he talks about how he ends his work day with just saying the phrase out loud, shut down complete. And it allows him to kind of mentally check out from his work. And so I think of, you you Mm. know, this song you're referencing, there's this mental kind of emotional check that's in there that can can help, you know, us take our minds off of our work and just this Mm. entire pattern you're talking about. And even, as you said, kind of getting away from from scripture, we think of, you know, God speaks through his word, but he also speaks through creation. And so you talking about the importance of being out in creation, he's speaking to us there. And so that's so helpful. And, and, and I'm, I'm curious too, as you're talking about this and trying to guard this day, just maybe speak about some structures that you've put into place to kind of guard mm. your Sabbath day. I know you're saying this time is so unique for all of us to try to guard. It has been difficult, but what, what has been something that has helped you kind of guard that, uh, maybe on a practical level?
1: Mm. Well, um, I, I think a couple immediate responses. One would be um, Uh, our whole family knows that the Sabbath we, our whole family knows what Saturday is and we, my son knows it. He holds us accountable to it. And if we don't, if we don't rest on that day, we hear about it. Um, (laughs) Our family, uh, our work, our friends know that Saturday is our Sabbath and having that communal knowledge of what day Saturday, Saturday is, is really helpful because people honor people. I've found that family members and friends, um, you know, they won't ask us to help them move on Saturday um, because we've been clear about it. And so I think there's a kind of Sabbath. Uh, I don't know. A, almost a Sabbath proclamation in your community. You know, the, the people know what your day of rest is. Um, not everybody's going to honor that and that's fine, but at least it's, it's a public piece of information. You know, it's a, it's a public knowledge. I think the second thing that immediately comes to mind is just the, uh, the, the violence, the, 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 the sheer violence that uh, our iPhones are doing to our souls. Mm. Um, uh, St. Augustine in the fourth century, in one of his sermons, he talks about what he called the virginity of the mind. And virginity of the mind is this idea that our minds can get so promiscuous with so much stuff that we no longer have the ability to be pure before the Lord in our mind. And I think that um, we've become so attentionally promiscuous as a result of our smartphones that we don't know how to even see the burning bush if we walk by it and, see, and, and it talks to us anymore. We just walk right by it because we're looking. I think if Moses had a smartphone, he wouldn't have stopped and talked to the bush. <laughs> um, the issue isn't God's voice. The issue is that we just don't know how to stop mm-hmm. anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think the structure of having a day a week of intentionally shutting down as company puts it shutting things down is just, and uh, Cal, I mean, his work, deep work is phenomenal, but he's, he's drawn, he, he would never say this. I don't, I don't know if he's a Christian or not. He would never say this, but he's drawing his entire principle from, from the Bible. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he is just retweeting the biblical narrative on Sabbath, just in non-Christian language. And again, mm-hmm. I don't know his perspective, but
0: no, um, I agree completely. Yeah. Th-
1: yeah. This is our stuff. I mean, this is, this is the Jewish Christian tradition and, the, the Sabbath is a unique Jewish contribution to the world. Uh, it's a contribution from Yahweh, but the Jews are the ones who have been retweeting it for thousands of years. And uh, anything that Cal Newport is saying is based on these basic principles that you have to have a day to, to have a complete shutdown. Um, so turning your, your phone off. I mean, it, it is not a mistake, by the way, that when they create these iPhones, when you shut down your iPhone, uh, it flashes a little apple with a bite taken out of it. Uh, like you're back in the garden of Eden. I mean, it, it is, it is that you, and you have been eating from the wrong tree all week long. Um, we call it the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I mean, it is, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I can get into my weird theology here, but they there. I think the serpent has tricked us again. And we think uh, we can now become like God with these little, we can know anything we can know about anything. Uh, it is the same deception that Adam and Eve faced in the garden of Eden. And
0: I don't think this is weird theology by any means. I mean, it is this godlike uh, device yeah. and I wanted to get into this in, in a little bit, but you know, here we are talking about, I mean, it's omniscient in a sense, it's omnipotent, mm. it's omnipresent, it's everywhere. I mean, we can connect to the internet absolutely anywhere. Um, but no, I think you're, definitely hitting on something that's not weird theology by any means. I think, I think it's just accurate. Um, But before we get there, I am just curious. I wanted to, as we were discussing this and, and talking about the sweetness of Sabbath, my question is, why do you think this is so controversial? That if there is this beauty that we long for this rest while we're exhausted all the time, why do you think it is such a controversial topic to, to bring up? I've heard you share how you preached on a lot of controversial topics, but this one mm. <laughs> seemed to mm. make people leave your church quicker than, than other ones. So maybe just speak
1: to two, us. Yeah, yeah, two things. Uh, number one is a uh, uh, theological reason. I think the minute you bring this up, Immediately those of us, you know, in the Protestant tradition that have such a high view of, 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 of the grace of God, you know, almost contradistinct from, from, from works that we immediately assume that the Sabbath is an invitation back to, to this kind of Judaic Pharisaic legalism. Um, Because we equate the Sabbath with law. That's what we do is we equate the Sabbath with law which of course is, is, is utterly ridiculous. The Sabbath precedes the law. God had never given a law. It's an, it's literally built into creation. So it, not only is it built into creation, it's built into the law and then Jesus does it. And then when Jesus talks about his return, he says, pray, it doesn't happen on the Sabbath implying he believed it would continue to be happening. It, it is literally everywhere. I mean, it's, it's in creation, the law in new creation, in our future, it's everywhere. And, but we have this fear that if I start keeping the Sabbath, I can't eat bacon. And <laughs> I mean, that's honestly our fear: is this theological belief that if you believe in this, you you all of a sudden are locked into uh, returning to Jewish law. And uh, I I dare I dare anybody um, I dare anybody to find uh, a text in the New Testament that says God doesn't care about the rest of creation anymore. Um, God does care about not uh, basing our faith on works. God absolutely cares about that. Uh, But we are saved by grace. There is nothing else that saves us, the grace of God. You are not saved by keeping a Sabbath. You're not saved by being baptized. You're not saved by uh, reading your Bible. You are saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus and nothing else. But that does not mean that those things are not important. Reading scripture matters. You're not saved by it, but it matters. Sabbath keeping doesn't save you, but it matters. So I think number one is theological. Uh, And I think the second reason that it's so hostile it really does um, it really does critique our self-centeredness there's something about the Sabbath that's just violent to a world where we are the center um, as a pastor I mean this is this was my experience as a pastor and you, you mentioned this um, there was a season of time in pastoral ministry when I uh, our church was getting tired we had planted the church and about five years in they just started getting a little tired and I decided well I'm gonna preach on the Sabbath and I had preached on all sorts of things that have made people mad. Um, you know, I preach on sexuality, politics, I preached on all sorts of things. And I preached for four weeks, three, four weeks on the Sabbath, and I never, we I don't think we ever had more people leave the church.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was sitting, I was sitting with our elders talking about this, and we were talking about the Ten Commandments. And it dawned on me that when you look at these Ten Commandments, if if I break nine of these things, uh, if, I commit, you know, if, if I commit adultery, I'll probably lose my job as a pastor. Uh, if I steal money from the church, I'll probably lose my, my job. If I murder somebody, I'll definitely lose my job. I, if I, nine of these commandments I break, my career is done. Uh, but if I break the Sabbath, um, then I'll probably get a raise. And it dawned on me that this is the, ver- this is the one commandment that we reward breaking. We are incentivized to break this command. You get raises. You have more influence. You, you have more power. You have more control. You get to do more. And we, our system rewards. Our system now rewards breaking God's call. And so when, when you create an environment where you're the center and you can do whatever you want, and then you're told actually you're not, and actually Jesus is the center. No wonder we hate it. We're not only displacing our self-centeredness, but we're getting raises as a as a result. Hmm.
0: That's such a good word. And look, I know we're getting up close to time and uh, there's so much more I want to talk about. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about technology and then maybe end on some some parting advice and, and mm. counsel. So maybe just talk a little bit more about technology. I mean, I am with you of just the exhaustion. I mean, there's so much yeah. data, there's so much research that has shown our yep. smartphones are, are contributors to lack of sleep, to, you know, FOMO, to anxiety, depression, all of that. Maybe speak just a little bit more on technology and Sabbath.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've been long been intrigued uh, over the course of the last 10 years with our obsession, um, culturally in, in, a, in, in, a U.S. America culture with, uh, the apocalyptic in our, in our movies and our, our, uh, I mean, so many, you know, how many zombie movies have come out in the last <laughs> 10 years? Uh, everything. It's, it's interesting how eschatological our culture has become. You know, we, we, we are re- entrenched in this weird eschatology, but we're obsessed with the zombie apocalypse. And I, I suspect we're obsessed with it. This weird part of my brain is obsessed I, I think we're obsessed with it because part of us really wants it. Uh, I think part of us wants the system to crumble because it will at least return us to where we're standing. We are right here, right now. Um, Technology, technology is this major contributing factor to our emotional, uh, intellectual, spiritual exhaustion um, that makes us want the zombie apocalypse. Um, And I, you know, you never watch a zombie apocalypse and see people on their phones. No, nobody's ever texting in a zombie apocalypse. And, and there's a reason because it's all crumbled to the ground. And I think we're just obsessed with it. We, we want that. We, we are so tired. We want to be in a small group of four people with bats and guns and we have to fight dead <laughs> creatures together rather than uh, have what we have right now. I think we yearn for that. Um, the number one thing you can do if you want to subvert that our technological mark of the beast that has become our life, our phones, it's not literally the mark of the beast, but it sometimes <laughs> feels like it. Uh, the no one thing you can do is turn your notifications off and s- stop being buzzed to be present everywhere else. And, uh, just turn the notifications off. And, and all of a sudden you go to the phone when you want to go, not when the phone calls on you. Um, the simple act of turning your notifications off allows you to be wherever you are. Um, I dare you and I dare your listeners to try that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: what it will do is it will, it will just reframe the entire constitution of your day. Mm-hmm. The entire framework of the day will be changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, I just, uh... Yeah, driving into that point a little bit i i got a sabbatical i think it was back in 2014 and i did i, I turned off my you know vibrate notification and other things and and i haven't turned it back on since and it has been wow very, good for very, you very liberating to just not have that constant buzzing and beeping uh in the background um so no that i would absolutely echo that um aj look we only have a few more minutes and then you've got to go teach a class maybe some just parting council wisdom to those who are listening okay after this covid pandemic uh does you know cease we go back to whatever normal looks like what some advice on just reentry to people maybe on, along these lines of mm-hmm. of sabbath
1: mm. yeah i mean um I I would, I would say, you know, some of the greatest revivals in Christian history have come during social uh, unrest, like moments like this. And um, I think it's all of our, it's all of our temptation to to want to go back to normal. Um, I would, I would say reject the normal and go back and start, start a new life. And and meaning don't, don't go back to the way things were. Uh, Don't, don't, that, that's, what he, that's what Israel did in the desert, right? they have been freed from Pharaoh in Egypt. And they can't stop dreaming about the pomegranates from Egypt, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the food from Egypt. It's the sin of nostalgia. We want to go back. And God isn't calling us to go back to normal. He's calling us to a new future, a new normal. And maybe just acknowledging that and saying, like, I, I don't want to be the same when I go back. I, this is a really, really special opportunity. To find some new rhythms in my life, um, so I guess I, I I don't know what else to say other than start doing this and and be and, and experience God's life in a way you never imagined. <clears throat> there was this when I over the course of my research uh, for this book, I came across, and it didn't actually make it into the book. Unfortunately, I wish I would have put it in, but I came across um, this book that was a collection of journal writings. Uh, they were letters written from a Nazi concentration camp officer to his, uh, to his boss, essentially. Um, during World War II, the Jews who were in these concentration camps in this horrific, uh, horrific time in human history um, were put in a position where how in the world do you keep the Sabbath in a concentration camp? I mean, that, can you imagine mm. how difficult that would be mm. to to try to find, to, to, to have a Sabbath service in a latrine, to, to hole out part of your, your little box that you've been put in and, and, and f- try to find a candle and start. I mean, just God, I, the, the Jewish people, their, their attempt at keeping the Sabbath during the concentration uh, camps is just heartbreaking, but it's also beautiful because they they did everything they could. And um, the the Nazis had figured out that one of the greatest things that you could do to destroy and break the spirits of the of the Jews during the concentration camps and during the, their, the Holocaust was to, to, to disrupt their Sabbath. And so what they, they would do all these horrible things. Like they would um, give the Jews the majority of their food on Sundays so that by the following Friday, they'd be out of food. And on the Sabbath, they'd be entirely hungry. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would, they would do raids in on Saturday, just to, just to, just to be, you know, just to be horrific. And there was this, concentration camp officer who's writing to his boss and he says in his journal we have learned by time and tradition that the greatest way to destroy the spirit of the of the Jews is to disrupt their sabbath because every time they take a day of rest it's like they get their spirits back mm. And that is, if you were to ask me the devil's dream for our world, it is a world with no rest. Mm -hmm. And that every time God's people actually get a Sabbath and stop and breathe, it's like we get our spirits back. If we want to be effective missionaries and effective people who know how to speak God's truth in this world, I don't think we get to separate that from a day of rest. I think that we need to get our spirits back, and God has given us a way to do it.
0: Hmm. AJ, awesome stuff! I really uh, appreciate this. There's again so much more uh, I'd love to dig into, but maybe that just means we've got to have you back on eventually. But yeah, yeah, love to, yeah,
2: right. love to.
0: Thank you for taking the time to record this conversation, and uh, I do hope your your class goes well in just a bit. <laughs> so thank you for that. You're awesome, John. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thank you, John, and thank you to your listeners too for. Purposes. Oh, come and buy without
2: money Oh, come and feast without pay